bass players never really chose the bass. The bass has been around for thousands of years. The bass chose us. What I liken the role of a bass player to in, in the music is like we are shag carpet, big and plush, and we're able to let a baby, that being the melody, just romp and roll all over us and do what they want, knowing that they are protected and they are they are nurtured. Welcome to Play It Like It's Music, shop talk with working players condensed for the quick mind of a practicing musician. My friends, today we hear from a true keeper of the flame, Mr. Trevor P. Allen. From the trenches of the New York club scene to bandstands all over the world, this guy delivers on the bass. But Trevor's more than a bass player. He's also a band leader in his own right. He runs the show every single Tuesday at Cafe Hua, and he tours with people like Roy Ayers and Freddie Jackson. He's the real deal, and he was kind enough to talk about style, spirituality, versatility, work ethic. The guy is a true musical tradesman. I went to talk to him at his place in Brooklyn. Trevor Allen, bass guitar. You play a variety of bass guitars, but no upright? Uh, I used to play upright more in college. I was like in the Latin jazz band, so I played there. But uh, ever since then, ever since I've been kind of working, it's been mostly uh, electric. Right on. Why do you play music? Wow. I play music for the initially for the way it makes me feel and the sense of security and just sense of harmony that it brings my spirit. I think once you're able to attain a certain level of uh, be a mastery or competency, whatever, you're starting to be able to see how it affects others in their spirits. I've been on gigs or I've spoken with other musicians that have had such amazing responses from audiences that have said anything from like, oh, you guys made my day to the other extent of, you know, before I came here to this club to listen to you guys, I was going to kill myself. When you hear that kind of thing, you just really understand the depth of where music can take you. There's just certain frequencies or just different nuances or things happening within the music that vibrate through us. Where'd you go to college? Uh, City College of New York. And right are you from New York? Uh, well, raised here. I was actually born in uh, London, England. Family moved here when I was five, so I've been more of a USA person. I mean, the accent's totally gone and everything, but... Make it back there ever? Yeah, quite a few times on tours and stuff. I was just there last December, actually. Got to see some family, hang out. And you're one of those guys who's working a lot. I am very fortunate to be known very well around New York and surrounding areas. So there always seems to be something or need, you know, for a good musician. And um, I do my best to fill the bill. Right. A professional. So when you say no, we're not talking 
like a National Enquirer and on. We're talking <laughs> the people who know who, who should be called. Generally, your name is, is close to the top of that list. Musician circles, New York musician circles, I'm, I'm kind of well known. Yeah. That's great. And I'm really grateful and thankful for that. I think through music also early on, I was able to, for me personally, understand that there's a greater purpose, uh, maybe a supreme being in a sense, that kind of kind of nurtures us and just speaks to us through certain medium, kind of connects us all as human beings. Do you have a specific religious background that you came up with? Uh, well, I was raised in a Baptist church from early on. So you always had a, a great deal of uh, reverence for that. In terms of my career, I would say I've always had a belief and a drive for our Lord and Savior. And that's something that's never really left me. I still work or perform in churches to this day. And it's, it's a kind of a staple for me because it kind of grounds me musically and spiritually. I mean, it, there's so much to be offered in the word and just how it applies to us in everyday life. I think life really just boils down to adhering to certain principles. And though you may fall short, still understanding where the, uh, the watermark should be. Where'd you actually start? Like, what were your first inklings of, I want to do this? Probably in the 70s. I'm in my uh, early 50s now. So for me, my like junior high school days was spent playing with neighborhood bands. Uh, my first instrument was actually trombone. So uh, I was playing like horn sections, big bands with horn sections was really popular in that time. You had Earth, Wind & Fire, Confunction, Ohio Players. A lot of major R&B funk bands had like full horn sections. So that was like a really great time in terms of music. And I uh, learned a lot just playing, playing in those uh, situations. And um, a popular thing in my neighborhood in Brooklyn was um, block parties. So you'd have these bands playing in, um, you know, four block parties. You know, it was like freebies and stuff, but it was just the idea, the exposure of doing it and just feeling the energy of just like crowd interaction and playing all the popular hits of the day. And, you know, it was, it was a great time. And, and that just really nurtured me to say this, I can do this. I can do this forever. You've been playing mostly full time since the early 90s? Yeah, pretty much. Up until then, I was going to school. Actually had a, first gotten a degree in engineering back in the 80s. Got like a corporate type of job for a while. It's like a manufacturing supervisor at this plant, way back when manufacturing actually happened in Brooklyn, in New York in general. It was like an LED computer accessories company. It was kind of ahead of its time. We worked, I supervised the department there, and it was, it was cool. I mean, it helped to subsidize music for me. So I was able to get whatever instruments I needed and, 
you know, but, but the heart was always with the music. But I was thankful for the opportunity to be able to at least support myself and, and my passion. As things went on, uh, the luster of the, the uh, steady work uh, just wasn't what it was. So I kind of left that and actually wanted to be around the music so bad that uh, I think my next thing was actually I had a van and I wanted to meet a lot of bands and stuff. I was actually doing moving, like furniture, household things. That led to meeting musicians that needed to uh, have transportation to and from their gigs. So it was really cool for me because I was able to cart a band from point A to point B, literally dropping them off at one point, going and doing some regular moving jobs, moving a couch or something, taking care of that, and then going to pick them up to bring them back. So it was just like from a business standpoint, it was great because you were able to kind of cover both bases. How many years was this the routine? Wow. Early on, probably about six, five, six years run. Yeah, and then the most like traumatic thing happened. The van got stolen. I was coming out to do a moving job for a cousin, and I come out, it was like 10 in the morning. I go to the spot where it is, and the van was gone. I, was, I didn't realize it, but that was a turning point for me. So what ended up happening was I made a commitment and decision within myself to say, I'm going to be a full-time musician, because I kind of had no choice at that point. <laughs> that was it. van gets stolen. You're without a vehicle, but you got a base. You're riding the subway at that point. Basically, yeah. Um, Do you have to carry an app? I had to carry an app. It was, it was, it was an experience. Very humbling. But looking back, I, I, I wouldn't have uh, done anything any differently because it was, it was just so humbling in terms of seeing yourself having to just like run for a train because you knew you had to be uptown by a certain time. It just leads you to be really appreciative of when things start to get better. As time went on, I was able to uh, get another vehicle and just made things a lot easier. I'll just never forget the first weekend I had gigs and was lined up. The gig was finished. I got in to and from the gig driving and just took a leisurely drive stroll at around 1 or 2 in the morning up uh, Times Square. And it just was the most exhilarating feeling. You know, so I, I always relished in the, in the moments leading up to my success or my accomplishment. Right. In those early days, you know, we talk about having to be well-rounded musically. Rhythm players don't often get the credit they deserve because, you know, every drummer and bassist you see on whatever niche gig has probably done a million other styles of music on their way to that. Tell me about an early gig of yours where you might have been shocked at how alien that particular style felt compared to what you were used to. Was there something like a stepping stone gig to being more versatile? Yeah, uh, first thing that came to mind was I was playing with this um, this West African singer and uh, I actually got called to uh, go on tour with him in Canada. Uh, we drove up there and, you know, did the tour for about a week, week and a half. But the rehearsals uh, was kind of, for me, grueling because there were certain rhythms in the music that I had I was not accustomed to. I came from, I'd say my, my foundation is in R&B, blues, funk. 
So, you know, the, there's a, almost like a natural logic and rhythm and syncopation to that. And growing up in that music, hearing that music, being immersed in that music, it just, it was second nature. So getting with an African artist playing traditional West African music was like, it was, it was an eye-opener for sure. Because it just opened me to different contrapuntal approaches. And rhythmically, it was just, it was just on another plane. The real satisfaction of the whole thing was being able to really get a good grasp on it, enough so to the point of actually being offered the gig. So we went there. It was great. And, you know, as time goes on, when you've got a sense of the gig, it just becomes second nature. And that's the most gratifying feeling for me because it's like remembering the challenge of just really trying to grasp it and, and memorize certain things and think ahead and still being trying to be creative inside of it all. And it just kind of opened me up into a lot of world music in general, beyond the scope of American music. Coming from New York, this show is called Play It Like It's Music. I take us into the practice spaces of the best players I can find. We are 100% listener-funded, scene and style agnostic. I'm Trevor Exter, your host. Find us at playitlikeitsmusic.com. This is a podcast by, for, and about the people who play. It's also my excuse to go and grill my friends slash heroes about how they do things, how they got it together. If you like it, subscribe. Put us in your feed next to all those other things. Put us on the radar, too, by writing a review. Five stars if you like it. And if you don't, ten stars. Okay, back to the show. You still do the Tuesdays? Yes. Tuesdays. Yeah. So you still do the Tuesdays. And then, so you have the experience of both being in a band that plays routinely for a long time, and then you also get called frequently to do something brand new. Tell me a little bit about the process of getting yourself acclimated to a style and to a group of musicians and to the sound of the band. The rest of us in the band who are not the bass player, we're usually dependent on you to kind of lead us to where that band is going. So I would love to get a little bit of a window into your approach when you're brand new in a situation and how do you get comfortable there? At first, it's, it's really a key, just really getting total immersion. Uh, what I do is I listen to the music kind of like over and over and over again, just to internalize and just like unconsciously just really grasp it. The mechanics of it is never really the hurdle to me. In, in some instances, it can be, but ultimately it's not. I think it's just about internalizing because I look at the fact that I was able to grasp R&B music and, and the foundations of of what I did know by really just listening to it and enjoying it for its sake, the art of the music. So I kind of adopted that approach to just other genres, meaning just really listening to it, internalizing it, singing along, getting a sense of the melody where it sits. And as a bass player, as you pointed out, it is about kind of the bass driving things and giving a sense of where the music should go or how it sits or the feel of it. So 
that's something unconsciously that I'm able to do really well. It's just so key to the whole arrangement of the music that you just have to sit in a certain place. What I liken the role of a bass player to in, in the music is like where the carpet were laid down. We are shag carpet, big and plush, and we're able to let a baby, that being the melody, just romp and roll all over us and do what they want, knowing that they are protected and they are they are nurtured. What habits would you recommend someone getting established and what would you also recommend that they avoid? It's really important to find a special time, alone time, that you know that you can block off every day, at least to start, where you can devote at least an hour or two to just scales and, and developing your sense of, of scales. Now, I don't really necessarily practice songs unless there's some really specific parts or whatever. I find it more... Uh, beneficial at this point to just really stay with the fundamentals in terms of scales, working intervals, and just the foundational things of chord structure, arpeggios, and just really working those things regularly. And then when you're presented with the music, it's like there's a certain place that you're at because you know chord-wise where you're going, and you can kind of incorporate those things into that. It becomes easier to kind of interject your Thing when you know exactly where you are in the chord, in the progression, for like even, a, say, a basic one, six, two, five, to be able to work yourself around the fretboard melodically doing that and still being able to hold the bass line, the figured bass line down. For me, it's, it's just something that's simpler when you've got more of a stronger foundation of where your chords and structures are. For me, what I did do, which I don't know if I regret, it's just another way of thinking, is just learning a lot of songs, learning a lot of bass lines, which is cool. Early on, I wasn't as uh, rigorous about chordal structure and scales and, and developing those things. It was about just learning the songs. So I guess I, what it did do was develop a strong ear for picking up lines. But in terms of your fundamentals, it's just, if I had it to do again, I would be a little more conscious of the fundamentals on a, on a regular basis and then interweave uh, learning songs because ultimately repertoire is really important in terms of the circles that you play in or just want to play in and just knowing not only to speak the idiom but to speak the language, the specific dialect. What should a young player just not waste their time with at all? Wow. <laughs> Television. That's really it. I mean, it all serves a purpose at some point or another. Knowing the, the latest trap song can get you out of tight, sticky situations. Who knows? Um, just, just really get into as many styles of music as you can and don't limit yourself to just rock or just... Uh, pop or just jazz. All genres of music have have lessons, valuable lessons to teach. 
and just being able to to go through this the breadth of all of that stuff just enlightens you that much more as a, as a player and they all speak to one another in certain ways and the combination of some of them can be can be awesome and that you can develop a whole another style country funk have you ever heard of that you know it exists country hip-hop that's a genre so I just say just being willing to learn from all any and all and don't limit yourself that's the kiss of death when you just think you know it all in one genre and you're gonna coast through life on your musical career and there's always gonna be a call for a great bass player um, with great repertoire, was very well-rounded, and just a good person. It's always good to be a good person. Always be nice. Strive to be nice. And not just fake nice. Just really get into people. Because understanding when you're with a band, uh, with a with a group of musicians, you're kind of fellowshipping. You're, you're actually, I feel, you're sharing spirits when you're playing together. So you want to add something positive to that contribution, because chances are there's some negativity within it. So you either want to counter that or just kind of, you know, overcome it with love. Awesome. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure, Trev. If you live anywhere near New York, then it's worth it to go see Trevor do his magic in person at Cafe Hua on Tuesdays. The band also plays at Groove on Mondays. I know a lot of musicians think about the clubs in Greenwich Village like going to see the Statue of Liberty or something. Like, tourists do that, right? College kids? But like I said at the top, that is where they keep the fire burning. Do yourself a favor. Thanks to Trevor for opening up the studio at Groovatune in Brooklyn and sharing his story with us. Thanks for listening. Play It Like It's Music is produced, recorded, edited, mixed, and hosted by me, Trevor Exter. Have a good gig. And if you like the show, tell a friend. See you next time. so much for listening to the show it means everything to have your ears and support each time you pass the link to your friends review us on the web and help out financially these are the players i admire the most and as a working musician myself i'm always looking to get to know them in a deeper way find out stuff that might help me become a better musician i love sharing these moments with you and reading your feedback and questions at our website playitlikeitsmusic.com where you can browse other episodes and support the show we are 100% listener-funded. It's how we can have the conversation we need to have in an age when we're all contending with a mutating professional landscape, jacked revenue streams, and a lot of noise out there in the culture. These are exciting times. It's almost as if the simple act of playing an instrument is a revolutionary one. We don't draw any lines between scenes or styles. So if you haven't done it already, head over to the website and join the community. You can use PayPal or make a recurring pledge through Patreon, where we offer a selection of merch and rewards. As always, thank you for listening, and remember to play it like it's music. I'm Trevor Exeter. Thanks.